I was telling our setup and teardown team, our dream team, this morning as we prayed before we got started today that before we say Happy Father's Day to anybody else, we need to say it to him, right? The, the overwhelming, never-ending love of God, right? That's what we're singing about. That's our Father going to get us when we're far away from him. I'm, I'm grateful for that type of a Godfather that comes and finds us in our darkest place and rescues us. Well, we have been on a journey diving through this book of Ephesians in the Bible, Ephesians chapter 2, and we're on the second half of Ephesians 2, starting at verse 10. We've been walking verse by verse all the way through verse 22, and we're almost there. Um, and we've just been hitting it up one verse at a time. I'm grateful for expositional preaching where we allow God's word to speak to us one verse at a time because in doing so, we don't duck or dodge any verses, and we tackle verses that we may not have if it were left, left up to us. And so I've been digging into these verses, and man, I'll tell you what, they've been speaking to me in fresh ways. I pray they have been for you as well for the season of life that we are in. Last week, we talked about how, how Jesus himself is our peace. And we made it clear that peace is not an attitude. It's not a sense of feeling that a person gets. It's actually a person. He is our peace. He's our peace with the Father. He's our peace with one another in the body. And that's one of the reasons why we need Jesus. That's one of the reasons why he's called the Prince of peace. We talked about how he's given us peace, how he's torn down the laws of the ordinances, things that have been barriers historically and culturally. Jesus has broken those pieces down to bring us near. And so the gospel itself tears down walls of racism. The gospel tears down walls of segregation. The gospel tears down barriers of brokenness and social class and all these types of different things. And the text tell, told us last week that instead of those things, Christ has come to make a new person, a new creation, for we are his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for new works, good works, this new life. And that's where we're going to pick it up here today. So as long as we read in context, I want us to pick it up in verse 14. We'll read all the way up through 18. And then we'll jump into this message here today. If you're ready, say ready. ready. If you're hungry, say let's eat. Ready. Let's eat. Let's do it. Let's, let's eat from God's word today. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Verse 15, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and this is where we land today in verse 16, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he who came and preached peace to you, and you were far off, and peace to those who were near. Verse 18, for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. I want to preach a message to you today that I'm titling, All Access God. All Access God. And I'll tell you what, friends, I, I believe that we need access to our God and Father. And I'm so grateful that we have it in and through Christ. Let's pray, and then we'll dive in. Father God, thank you for your word this morning on your day, 
on this Lord's Day, on this Father's Day in 2018, as we open up to these passages, Father, we want to hear a, a, a word from you, a verse from you, a, a message from you. God, we don't need to hear another message from a man. We need to hear your voice through a man, God. So speak now through me, Lord. Teach us your word in your name for your glory. Amen. Amen. I love this. As we, as we look first at verse 16, the text says that he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby, thereby killing the hostility. How neat is that? How amazing is it? How humbling is it? How challenging is it? How crazy is it? How, how mind-blowing is it that God would choose to reconcile with us? I, I want us to first be reminded that, that we need reconciliation with God. Because there's a lie in culture today, and you may be tempted to believe it, that you're all right with God. Apart from Jesus, none of us are in a good place with God. The text actually says we're in a hostile place. There is intense hostility on one side of the ring where you're at, and on the other, the other side of the ring where God is, there's a lot of hostility. And, and the fight is already fixed. You can't win. You can't beat the creator. He has this figured out. The best thing that you could hope for is if he wants to reconcile with you. And that's what Paul is teaching us here today when he says that he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Let me remind you of this reality in Ephesians 2, verse 3. I'm taking us back a handful of weeks when we address this verse, but let's, let's revisit it on the screen here. We all once lived in the passions of our flesh. In other words, your flesh would rise up and your flesh would tell you to do something that was most likely sinful. And you would live in a state where you'd say, all right, I'm going to do that. You would carry out the desires of the body, carry out the desires of the mind. And because of this sinful nature that we're born into, we're children of wrath. I did a, a, a definition study on the word wrath. The word wrath means intense anger. That's it. We're, we're children of an intensely angry God here, like the rest of mankind. So I put the, the, I'm glad he put the rest of mankind in there so that you can see that you're not excluded. Because <laughs> we, we're tempted to sometimes think, I know the person next to me is right there. I'm not there. Like, I'm actually really good. Like, I'm a really, really good person. Like, and sometimes we even say foolish things like, hey, but God knows my heart. That's the problem. <laughs> Right? That's, that's, that's the reality, right? Like, sometimes people say, hey, only God can judge me. That's the problem. <laughs> you don't want him to judge you. <laughs> right? That's, that's not a good thing to say. Because you're, you're, the, the judgment's already happened. We're, we're by nature children of wrath. So, so what, we need to, to, we, what we need is a lawyer in the courtroom to say, I died for him. I paid for his debt. Thank you, Lord. And that's how we get reconciliation when God sends his son Jesus to do what we can't do to reconcile us both to him. This word reconcile is a neat word. I'm learning about reconciliation. 
Um, some have broken this word up into two. They say it's re-cancellation, re- reconciliation. A, a super reconciliation is the actual meaning of this word. Let me give you just a brief de- definition of the word reconciliation according to the Oxford Dictionary. It means to restore friendly relations between, to cause to coexist in harmony, to make or show to be compatible to make or show to be compatible. These definitions are important for us to understand because when the text tells us that God reconciled us to himself, that means that God wants to be friends with you. Maybe that doesn't mean anything to you. That means a lot to me. When I realize, you know what, I got a hostile relationship with God. I need to make that right, but I can't make that right. Only he can make that right. And he does. He restores friendly relationships between us. That's amazing. When God causes me to coexist with him in a harmonious way and and says that we can be compatible, what a gift that is from the Father. Let's look back at this verse out of Ephesians 2 verse 16. It says that he might reconcile us both. Us both is what we've been talking about the past couple weeks, Gentiles and Jews, right? We, we saw this picture last week of God making one new man, the text says in verse 14, right? That God took Gentile people far from him. Anybody that's a non-Jew is a Gentile, right? And then you have his chosen people, the Jews, and God put them both together and made one, right? And God says, now there's a new man. A, a new creation, this beautiful creation called the Christian, where it's not, it's not, it's not half Jew, and it's, it's half Christian, it's half Gentile. No, it's just one new, new man in Christ. Right? Ephesians 2.10, for we are his masterpiece. People should look at the church and say, that's a beautiful masterpiece. We don't always live it out the way we should, but that's how it should be in this house, that we are this beautiful masterpiece put together in one, Jews and Gentiles, black, white, Indian, all types of different races. The text says in Revelation chapter 5, you can read what heaven will be like. You can get a VIP tour into heaven where people are standing around and it says every tribe, every tongue, every nation, all gathered around the throne, worshiping God the Father. What a, what a Father's Day that is, right? That's what we're headed toward. So if, if you have a problem with people that look different than you at church, you have a problem with the Bible. You have a problem with the gospel because what Jesus did was he reconciled us both, Gentiles and Jews, all types of different cultures, all types of different colors, all types of different languages, all types of different people groups, young and old Old people can learn from young people. Young people, you have a mandate to learn from older people, people that have went before you. When we can have both of that mindset, that's a beautiful body, right? And that's what he's saying here, that he might reconcile all of us together in one body. The body of Christ is, is a little strange. It's a little crazy. It's a little amazing because it's all of us together. The one thing that all of us in this room today share in common is this, Christ. For some reason, God wanted to bring us all together. I mean, right, this looks like a bag of Skittles dumped out, right? 
From my view, it's the most beautiful thing I could ever see. And God says, I want you to be all together. And you make up Christ's body. Reconciled. Through the cross. The hostility killed. No more. Because of the cross of Jesus Christ. One of the reasons why I love for us to major on the cross for us to spend a lot of time fixing our eyes and our hearts on the cross is because it's through this cross, right, that everything happens, everything. right? Vertical reconciliation with God, horizontal reconciliation with each other happens at the cross. So if you have a beef with somebody in the church, you can reconcile with that person because of the cross, if you have an issue with God, I, 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 I challenge you, brother, sister. Get that right with God because you can because of the cross. If we don't have a bloody Savior named Jesus who is dying for you, saying your name, saying forgive Dean for the sins he doesn't even know he's doing. Amen. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I'm amen with you, right? Say, saying forgive you, right? I'm, I'm dying for for you, Maria, right? I'm dying for you, Donna and Lothar, on the cross to bring reconciliation between each other. That good news cross changes everything. I want to give you a reality statement. Maybe you can write this down, snap a picture of it on your phone, and just revisit it, revisit it when you get a chance. Because of the cross of Jesus Christ, we can have friendly relations with God and coexist in harmony with one another. That, that, that right there, I, I want it to sink into our hearts. Because I, we have a Savior who died on the cross, right? Picture his nail-pierced hands on the tree who bled and died for me. Go there. Go, go 2,000 years ago, see him on the tree, and be reminded that because of that reality, we can have a friendship with God. Not just know him as Lord, not just know him as Savior, but you can even know him as friend. And with that, have a harmonious relationship with each other. Be, be reminded of ancient church Roman history. Jews and Gentiles would never have any fellowship. A couple weeks ago, we put up a picture on the screen of the temple and how there were big signs around the temple that said, Gentiles, stay out here. And if you try to go any closer, you'll die. Gentiles had to worship God from the outside court. They didn't have access inside. Right? If, you try, if you're a Gentile, you tried to get access into the temple, you, you didn't have that. See, Jews had that access because of their blood, right? Jewish people had the access into the temple, into the Father, into this relationship with God because they had the blood of Jacob. They had the blood of Abraham. I come from the line of Benjamin. I have access to God. Gentiles, you don't have that. You have an unclean blood. You have a half-blood. Is, is the, 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 the tension... And what the text tells us is that all of us have a new blood. It's not Jacob's blood. It's Jesus' blood. Amen? Right? And so that's my access card. 
It's like, hey, I'm here for the party. Let me check your blood. This, this guy's got the blood of Christ in him. He's allowed in. What other blood do you need? You need a blood infusion, a spiritual blood infusion of his blood. That's what the, the word tell, told us, right? In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. You got to understand verse 13 before you can understand verse 16. If we can find it, we'll pull it up. Ephesians 2, verse 13 tells us that it's through his blood that we have been brought near. Right? But now, right? You got the Gentiles. They say, I can't get in. The Jews are over here that say, well, I can get in, so poor you, right? And the Gentiles say, well, that's wrong of you for looking down on me. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have all been brought near by the blood of Christ. Does that make sense? Yes. You catching that? Yes. That's why we need him. That's why we believe him. His blood has brought us near, so therefore be reconciled to God. Paul writes in the book of Galatians, verse 14 of chapter 6, he says, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. What he's saying there here is if we're going to boast in anything, church family, if we're going to make our boast, our praise in anything, make it in, in the cross. Because the cross has brought you and I near today, hasn't it? If there's no cross, we don't need to be here. But because of the cross, we're here. As fellow brothers, fellow sisters, fellow friends with God. That's a good news reminder for us today. Uh, let, let's keep looking at these verses here uh, into verse 17. It says that, And he came and preached peace to you who were far off. And peace to those who were near. I, I've seen Jesus as a lot of different things. I've seen him as Savior. I've seen him as Lord. I've seen him as friend. I've seen him as King. But I see him here in a new text. I see him as the preacher here today. How about Jesus came, which is a sermon in itself, that Jesus decided to show up. He said, I'm coming for you. Look at the person next to you and say, you. you. Make sure nobody gets left out. Hit the person behind you and say, you. you. Some, some people at the snack table, we want to make sure that everybody gets hit up. If you're watching this on the camera, you. He, he came for you. And he had a message for you. Open up this Father's Day envelope. And pull out the paper, and you know what? It has one word on it. You know what the word is? Peace. That he came and preached peace to you. Well, who did he preach it to? Well, he preached it to those who were far off, and he preached the same message to those who were near. The same message is for each and every one of us here today. Peace to you. One of the most common greetings that Jesus would use when he would show up in the New Testament. You can read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Jesus shows up on the scene. The first word out of his mouth, you know what it is? Peace. Peace to you. Shalom to you. I bring a greeting of peace to you. Jesus is preaching peace through the cross to those who were far off 
and to those who were near. It's actually this right here. This is a prophetic word lived out from Isaiah chapter 57, verse 19. The prophet Isaiah says it like this. He says, peace, peace to the far and to the near, says the Lord. See, Isaiah said this 500 years before Jesus came. And so the Gentile is saying, how? I don't feel peace from the Lord. I feel distant from the Lord. I feel far away from the Lord. And the prophetic word is that one day God would send his Messiah. That there would be a virgin birth. And out of that birth would come the prince. Come on, Merry Christmas. The prince of peace. I bring good news to you. Tidings and joy and peace. That's the message of the gospel, that you can have peace with God, and you need that, don't you? Why go the rest of your life absent of the peace of God? Why wake up every morning wrestling and trying to earn peace and trying to receive peace and trying to get peace and trying to work for peace, when in the reality, peace is a person, and his name is Jesus he came and he preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who were near. We see this on display for us in uh, the book of 2 Corinthians as Paul writes to the Corinthian church and he gives them a message about peace. He gives them a message about reconciliation. I want us to read this large chunk of scripture right now out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 through 19. Just follow along this journey. The Apostle Paul is pleading with this church to understand the things that we're talking about. He says, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. What does that mean? That means that we don't walk in the room and say, what up, Gentiles? <laughs> we go give everybody high fives and the Jews are over here like, what's up, my Jewish brother? <laughs> you know, there's a dividing wall of hostility. We don't, we don't regard one another according to the flesh anymore. It's what we used to do. We're no longer there. That's it. We, he says, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I love the greatest illustration of this is the, the cocoon, the caterpillar, and the butterfly, right? Like some of us, stop trying to crawl back into that cocoon. That thing is dead, right? Like you're a new creation. And some of you, you need to pop out of there and spread your wings and start flying and start being, being the person that you really are. Don't refer to me as the cocoon. I'm not that anymore. I'm trying to fly. And, and to be honest, you should probably fly with those who fly, Right? Don't regard me as a caterpillar. Don't regard, regard me as a cocoon. Those are my past. I'm not living in the past. I'm past my past. Amen? Right? And I'm in my future, right, as a new creation. All this, friends, is from God, who through Christ made us friends with himself, reconciled us to himself, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Everybody say us. 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 You know who us is? Us. us. Good, good job. Right? us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What, well, what is the ministry of reconciliation? Let me break it down. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. What did he do? Well, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us 
the message of reconciliation. He, he entrusted us with that message. He would go on to say, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. He says, I implore you. I don't even know what the word implore means. So I gave you a definition for what it means. The word implore means to beg someone earnestly or desperately to do something. Paul, this Hebrew of Hebrews, this Jewish man who was from the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day, according to zeal, he had the most. He was a persecutor of the, the church. He, had, he was wanting to have Christians locked up in jail. He had the first ever faithful deacon, Stephen, killed. Right, This same Paul realized, I need peace with God. And I can have that through Christ. And now he is on a mission, blazing like a flame, going to city to city saying, I implore you. I'm begging you, turn away from sin. It'll kill you, right? And be reconciled to God. I implore you, brother, sister, friend, fellow Las Vegas friend, fellow person from another city, fellow American, if you're from a different culture, if you're from a different place on the planet, I implore you, be reconciled to God because you can. Don't, don't step in, in, in shame on the cross. Receive the cross and believe the cross. And on Father's Day, spread your wings and fly and be a new creation. As we continue, we'll finish up here in verse 18. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18 before we close. It says, For through him we both have access in one spirit, to the Father. Through him. Let me highlight that word him. Who is him? Jesus. Jesus. Good call. If, you never, if, you, if you're unsure, just say Jesus. You'll always be safe. All right? <laughs> you're good there. For through him. I wish the translators of the ESV would have capitalized the H. Through him. We both, people in the room that are alike and not alike, we both have access in one spirit. Let me highlight that word spirit. I love the capital S there. It's referring to, do you guys know what spirit this is? The Holy Spirit. Through Christ, we have access in one spirit. There's not multiple spirits. There's really only one spirit. And he's a Holy Spirit. Sometimes people struggle. They're like, man, how come God always convicts me? How come? Because he's a Holy Spirit. <laughs> like, you didn't receive the worldly spirit. You didn't receive the lustful spirit. Right? You received the Holy Spirit. The same spirit of Christ. So when you're doing something not of Christ and you feel convicted, that's not God saying, I hate you. That's God saying, I got something better for you. That's God saying, I, I'm calling you to holiness. And holiness leads to happiness. <laughs> Believe it or not. One of the greatest lies from Satan is the more holy I become, the more boring I become. The reality is the more holy I become, the more powerful I become, right? The more holy I become, the more joyful I become. 
The more holy you'll become, the better dad you'll be, the better mom you'll be, the better church member you'll be, the better teacher you'll be, the better educator you'll be, the better businessman you'll be, the better entrepreneur you'll be, the better coach you'll be, the better athlete you'll be, the better videographer you'll be, the better doctor you'll be. The more godly and holy you become, the more you listen to the spirit of Christ in you, living his life through you, the happier you'll be. I promise you that. I promise you that. Double down on that. Put all your chips in, in there and receive that. Receive that. We, we have been called through Christ and have been given access in one spirit to who? To the Father. To the Father. I, I, I love this reality. There's very few places, church family, where the whole trinity is on display. The triune God is on display in one verse. You got Jesus, you got the Holy Spirit, and you got the Father. In other words, you got access. You got everything you need. If you can go three for three there, like there's no way you're getting, you're getting access if you leave out the Holy Spirit. He's not the forgotten God, right? He is just as much God as the Father in Jesus, but there's no way that you'll ever get to the Father if you don't go through Christ. One time Jesus told the disciple Philip, he said, you guys know the way? And Philip said, I don't know the way. What's the way? And Jesus says, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. In other words, what Jesus was saying is, I'm the way to God. I'm the truth about God. I'm the very life of God. If you want access, go through me. I'll bring you with me. I'll bring you to the championship with me. And not only that, I'll give you an access card. Anybody ever been to like a convention or something? And you, you, I was just uh, at the Southern Baptist Convention this past week. And I was walking with a brother who had served at the convention. And he saw a wristband on the ground. And he was like, oh man, he grabbed this wristband. And it was the special lime green edition. And I was like, what's so cool about that wristband? He goes, man, this is the all access wristband. You can go anywhere at all in the whole convention. You can go to any session, dinner, lunch, panels. And I was like... Let me get that right there. You know, he put it away real quick. I thought he was going to give it to me. I was like, man, I couldn't ask him for it. You know, it was, it was too, too weighty, I guess. But um, I was like, why do you get it, man? You know, um, but, but let me, you, got, you have the wristband in the kingdom. You have all access to God. I mean, it's hard for us to understand this because we didn't, we didn't necessarily live in a culture where we weren't allowed to come to church. I mean, could you imagine if you showed up and there were greeters and ushers in the parking lot that were like, you're a Gentile, you can stay out here in the parking lot. And hopefully you can hear the worship music. Oh, you're, you're a Jew, come on in, come on in. Let, let, let us get you the finest seat. Oh, you, you, you made a sacrifice? What type of sacrifice? Well, it was a lamb. Was it a spotless lamb? Well, it had a little blemish on its tail. Then you sit in the back. But you can get that goat over there that's really, really good if you can pay him an extra 20 shekels. That, that was what had started to happen amongst the religious culture, right? And, and, and the gospel is this. Jesus is flipping over tables saying, I'm making us one. I'm tearing down the walls of hostility. So Matthew, tax collector, sinner, thug, drug dealer, follow me. And you zealot, priest, rabbi, follow me. And we're all going to do this together and sit at the same table. 
That's the gospel. So we'll, we'll, we'll close with, with that. As the worship team begins to uh, make their way here, we're going to get ready to close with a song of worship and praise. And, and as we do that, if, if anybody needs to come down for prayer, um, just come down today. We're going to have our, our altars open. If Maybe you just want to kneel here and you just want to lift your heart to the Lord. or Maybe you want to pull somebody aside and say, can I pray with you? We'd love to pray with you. could be about anything. But we have been given access. Been given access. Tim Keller writes in his commentary, he says, he says, our access is now not to a temple building in Jerusalem, but to the throne room of heaven. And from our reconciliation as sinners to our heavenly father comes the spiritual power of reconciliation within our churches. So because we have access to heaven, we have access to each other to reconcile. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, notice how it doesn't say you've been justified by your works. Your good deeds cannot justify anything but sending you to hell. But we can be justified by our faith in Christ. Because we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. What are you standing on today, friend? I'd, I'd hope, I, I implore you to stand upon Christ. We have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. If you're going to stand on anything, stand on the grace of Christ. If you're going to die on any hill, die on the hill of grace of the gospel and invite as many people as you can onto that hill with you and share your story of grace share your testimony of how God rescued you and brought you near when you were far off and gave you a seat at the table finally I'm going to pray after I, I, I'll just read one more quote to you and we'll sing R. Kent Hughes in his commentary I like how he puts it way better than I could he said Jesus didn't Christianize the Jews or Judaized the Gentiles. He didn't create a half-breed. He made an entirely new man. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. He says that we are God's masterwork, friends. You're a masterpiece today. You are. God doesn't make junk. God creates masterpieces. And he's got his signature on you somewhere. A new race in Christ Jesus. This must not be watered down. Let's not water this reality down. This is the answer to alienation, to racism, to prejudice, to hatred, to estrangement. How about God took us from alienation to reconciliation? Amen? That's a good word for us today on this Father's Day. Let's pray. Father.